Hi, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. And Jason, on Hallis Intrigue coming up, we're going to talk about Justin Fields taking a gigantic leap at Soldier Field, the defense not being able to do a whole heck of a lot against the Dolphins, and the 35-32 to 32 loss on Sunday. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason Leisure, I don't want to overstate things here, but I feel like Sunday's game against the Dolphins might go down as a pretty important one in the history of the franchise. Justin Fields had the greatest rushing day in the history of quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and the pass game was efficient. He, They were fun. He was – it was everything that you had hoped Justin Fields could be when the Bears started this experiment with him a year and a half ago. I think everything about this game makes sense uh, in the trajectory the Bears hope to follow where mm-hmm. Justin Fields plays really, really well. And I still think he's got some work to do as a passer. Yep. But he played really, really well. And then figure, Patrick, a defense that doesn't have anybody on it didn't play very well, and they end up losing the game. I think that what you need more than anything else right now in this season is for fields to keep climbing. You got mm-hmm. that. And I think you accept that on defense, this you're going to be giving up a lot of points because you've traded away almost all of your – valuable pieces yeah and and we'll get to the defense in a little bit they were brutal against the Dolphins passing attack that entered the game as the league's best but what Fields did is it is it oversimplifying Jason to say that in a world of fantasy football and offense and just a search for something fun to watch on Sundays that he provided something that Bears fans haven't had in ever <laughs> just provided two things that you haven't had around here you haven't had for the longest time pat you have not had fun entertaining sundays period right i mean it's been basically since 2018 since just the games forget the big picture but just that the games were interesting and this has become an interesting and fun team to watch over the last month mm-hmm. but it has also been the first time that in a really long time that a quarterback has given the Bears legitimate, credible optimism and hope about their future. Right. Yeah, I mean, he did things today. You know, I, I was talking to, to Jay Cohen at the AP today after the game, and, you know, between he and Tyree Kill, there were two people on the field today that made it look like everybody else was going in slow motion. And that's pretty amazing to have at quarterback. That's amazing to have just in general. But, you know, the Dolphins... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Dolphins don't lack for speed, and Justin Fields still put on a show. Yeah, I think what you're looking for in Justin Fields is you have to get out of this mindset of your classic evaluation of a quarterback where you're looking for him to throw 300 yards. Like Justin Fields is going to give you something that classic quarterbacks weren't giving you as a runner. So mm-hmm. when I look at this, for example, and I say, and I see that he only threw for 123 yards but he rushed for 178. I mean, he's given you 300 yards of production. And I don't think you and you and I talked about this uh, after the game that, you know, 123 yards, isn't going to cut it because he's not going to run for 178 every week. He's not going to run for 80 every week. Right. But if there's some kind of cobbling together here of his passing output 
and his rush, rushing output that gets you up close to 300 yards per game, that can definitely work. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is this is the franchise of Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky and Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. I don't think you're going to And a hundred other guys that you could forget. But And also, yeah. Pat, the, the points are following it. Now, Justin yeah. Fields has played very well over the last five games, and the Bears are scoring almost 25 points per game during that stretch, and that includes that dud against the Commanders. So you're yeah. seeing not just him performing well individually, but you are seeing it be enough to make this offense viable. 25 points per game, that's not the Chiefs, but it is definitely a viable NFL offense, which, again, you haven't had here in a while. The Bears have only averaged – uh, 24 or more points per game in a season, I believe, twice since their Super Bowl year. <laughs> so in like 20 years, like this doesn't come around very often. I mean, there's good and then there's Bears good. And this is definitely Bears good. Well, we were talking about this uh, off air, as they say, Jason. But Tua uh, Tunga Bailoa was amazing today. 21 for 30, 302 yards, three touchdowns, pass rating of 135.7. Justin Fields. 17 for 28, 123 yards, pass two or three touchdowns, pass rating of 106.7, plus 15 carries for 178 yards. You asked me which one I would rather have. I think I'd rather have two as stat sheet just because those passing yards probably aren't as volatile as the rushing yards will be. But man, it's 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 close. And I could argue to you right now, you know, I don't know how much I believe in two a long term. But short term, you could argue that he's better than Justin Herbert. He's better than any of the quarterbacks drafted in Justin Fields' class. Probably the young quarterback that you want right now. Yeah. I think that Fields, as far as running and throwing, I think he has the ability to do both. Running comes easier. But I like I like where his head's at. Think, What was the best play by Fields today, Pat? Uh, the 62-yard touchdown run is pretty hard to, to argue with. What do you think? Uh, second longest quarterback run in the league this year. Longest quarterback run in Bears history. And 61, play, by the way. I'm sorry. 61, 61 officially. Yeah. So on that play, he drops back, and of course, as he's become, as he's learning to navigate, the pocket collapses immediately. He steps up. He's still looking to throw on that play right until the very last second. And then he starts dodging it. It definitely was a play in which running was the escape hatch. And I think that there, there's some middle ground between win from the pocket, but and run only if you have to versus uh, always run. <laughs> I think the bears are starting to find that with Luke Getze, where you, 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 t- you're glad to have those scrambles because they turn what would be a sack could have been two sacks on that play into a 61 yard touchdown run, but you also are incorporating designed runs into your offense because that's what the guy's good at. You can't try to sure. make him into something else. You can't try to protect him. You are constantly raising this concern that he's going to get hurt and you're right, but that's how the guy, plays. this is the quarterback you have. That's how he plays. You can't take that away from him and think he's going to be as good as he's always been. Well, and let's talk about Luke Getze real quick, because I thought what he did uh, was really creative. Um, <laughs> again, it's probably a low bar since, uh, you know, for offensive creativity, at least since Matt Nagy uh, was running Santa Slay and whatnot in 2018. But, you know, the Bears very clearly wanted to hold the ball and take as long as humanly possible to score. And they were able to, you know, in the 
you know, in the first or in the second quarter, they had a play or a drive that went seven minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, and the, you know, another one that went six thirty-two. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they held the ball, but they did so in really interesting ways. I mean, they had, uh, Cole Komet run the ball on consecutive plays, including on a quarterback sneak up the middle, uh, when they needed a yard, they had screens to, to chase Claypool who joked today that, you know, he was used to being the blocker on the screens when he was in, in Pittsburgh. That's a nice little jab at his uh, old employer. Uh, they, they ran fields on, you know, designed runs. They did lots of things to, to get the ball out of his hands and to get him out in space and to get his teammates out in space. And given that we spent the first month of the season bemoaning the fact that they had no weapons, they really distributed the ball in an interesting way. And, you know, I think when you talk about the success that Fields had today, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, the skills are all him. You know, the skills are all, uh, what did, uh, who was the Bears assistant who was talking about how uh, the credit, the people who get credit for that are mom and dad? Who was, uh, do you remember that this week? Mm. Anyway, in a creative I way. Tyke, to, I think it was Tyke Tolbert talking about uh, Chase Claypool. Yeah, yeah, something about yeah about how you know you, you credit Justin Fields' mom and dad uh, probably first with some of this God-given you know, athleticism that he has. But I do think you need to to give credit to Luke Getze for finding interesting ways to accomplish what the Bears wanted to accomplish uh, early on. And and man, they <laughs> and and then their defense was able to to kind of finally get it together in the fourth quarter. But uh, we'll get to that here in a second. We've, we've mentioned Chase Claypool a couple of times already, by the way, Patrick, and for everybody listening, I know that that is other than Justin Fields or maybe one a one B with Justin Fields, the, the most compelling thing about the bears this week. And uh, we don't have a snap count here as far as how much he actually played, but Chase Claypool, six targets, two catches for 13 yards. He also had a run for four yards, really nothing yeah, to report. And I don't say that in a, in a negative way about Chase Claypool, more so just like the guy got here Wednesday morning. There, it's not surprising that there really wasn't much of an impact from him uh, four days into his Bears career. Give him some time. He's definitely going to be a focal point of this offense. Jason, I can hear our listeners screaming into their headphones right now uh, for, or, or in their cars right now. He made a big impact in two ways. Number one, in the first quarter, they sent him deep. Uh, I think on what the second play he was on the field. Gets the, the yeah, yeah. He had the the shot down the left side where he drew a pass interference call for I think twenty eight yards. Yeah. yeah, he got twenty eight yards, and then you know obviously the big play there at the end. Uh, Jason, we could have a healthy debate about uh, <laughs> about how we shouldn't conflate uh, this uh, non call with costing the Bears the game, but it was it was notable. It's third and ten with a minute thirty five to play. Bears have got the ball at their own 42 coming out. They're down three. They need a field goal at least. Justin Fields puts one up down that same left sideline uh, to chase Claypool. The ball's in the air, and especially if you look at the replay, uh, you can see the corner having both arms around his midsection and pulling him backwards. Uh, they got some safety help there at the end, make contact. The ball uh, falls incomplete. Claypool jumps up and looks for a flag. Justin Fields looks for a flag. Matt Eberflus looks for a flag. Uh, none was called. And, you know, in the moment, Jason, I thought it was probably pass interference. But, my God, if you look at that replay, it's um, it's pretty blatant. Now, the graveyard is filled with, with players who thought that they were robbed by officials 
um, you know, uh, because of this reason or that. But, you know, Chase Claypool, the, <laughs> one of the reasons you get him is so you can throw the ball downfield and hope for good outcomes. And one of the most obvious good outcomes is getting a PI call when you really need one. Yeah, I think that you're going to see more of that. You're going to see expanded usage of him. This was just kind of the initial phase. Tyke Tolbert was telling us, uh, the wide receivers coach during the week, that they just had a limited list of plays that Chase Claypool Mm -hmm. knew what to do on. And (laughs) the amount of times that that got called would be the, those plays got called would be the amount of snaps he played in the game. And I would imagine that changes next week against the Lions. I would imagine that the full week here will be enough for someone like him to get a much fuller grasp and to play closer to what the the workload that he's used to playing, probably 80% or something of the snaps. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, you know, uh, getting back to the PI real quick, if they call that, Bears have first down at the 23 going in. Uh, They're already in field goal range, you know, so you're thinking, you know, at the very least, maybe this thing is uh, goes to overtime. And at the most, maybe they win the game. Uh, you know, we always joked about Justin Fields not getting calls, you know, when he got hit late or whatever, because he was the rookie quarterback. And I would imagine, Jason, that a lot of his receivers probably don't get a lot of calls because they're not very established. Um, Claypool that's might. Point. That's a good yeah. point. And Claypool is probably their most established. I don't know him. Mooney would be have had similar careers as far as like their production to this point, probably. Um, yeah. And there's the fact that there's the fact too, that he's just as big as he is, you know, when you see Darnell Mooney kind of fall to the ground, that doesn't take a whole There had to have been a penalty. There had to have been a penalty if someone. Yeah. Um, But you, you bring up a good point though, bringing up this pass interference call, Pat, because as much as the, the, the outcomes of the games, the results of the games, wins and losses are not really the focal point now, especially the Bears sit at three and six. Now it's kind of official that the right. season isn't going to be about that. It's really going to be like it really always has been. What, is, what does this tell you about the future? But I think you get to that fourth quarter, and this is an area where you need to see more from Justin Fields and more from this offense, not only to win the game today, but for the future. This is a game where a good quarterback with two chances at the end, they had two separate drives and couldn't even get across midfield either either time. That's where you got to see more. That's where you got to see an increase in production and better play. And that that's kind of the next step we're looking for from Justin Fields right now. And this dovetails beautifully into the the defensive side of things for the Bears. You know, <laughs> I think you and I sitting there in the middle of the third quarter thought that the Bears, you know, would be lucky to get a stop the rest of the way. And as it was, they gave up four touchdowns on the Dolphins' first five drives. Uh, the fifth one was a missed field goal, a 29-yarder at the end of the first half. So it was hardly of the bears doing. And then the bears didn't give up a point the rest of the way. Uh, they had a turnover on downs at the end of the second or at the end of the third quarter, turnover on downs midway through the fourth. And then w- what I thought was maybe the most impressive part of all was with um, there's what there is three eleven to play in the game. Jason bears are at fourth and 13 from their own 39 and Matt Eberflus decides to punt. Now I think you could make a pretty good argument that he should that he should have gone for it or could have at least figuring that even if you don't get it, worst case scenario, maybe you give up a field goal to the dolphins. And if so, you're only down six instead of three, but he decides to punt and to put it on a defense that had been horrible for most of the game. And the dolphins did the thing that drives you crazy. If you're a fan of, uh, of teams in this situation is they went run up the middle 
timeout, run up the middle, timeout, and then an incomplete pass, forcing, uh, and we're forced to punt back to the Bears. Uh, the Bears' defense gave Justin Fields the ball twice with a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. Pat, you've muted yourself. You just got to unmute here, Pat. Pat was making a great point. We're going to get back to it here in a second once we get him unmuted. You got Pat, you, we, we, you had the defense giving Justin Fields two chances down the stretch. And Justin Fields not and Justin Fields not delivering. Uh, that is not that is more. I'm trying to make the point more that that the defense finally did their part. Um, but Jason, it's going to be a long rest of the season on that side of the ball. It is. And that this is where I have a harder time kind of calibrating my expectations, Patrick, because when you look, go all the way back to the beginning of the offseason, Khalil Mack out the door, even though he's very good, right. it's a very sensible move, but it is also very illustrative of what they're doing and why having somebody at that price doesn't make sense during a rebuild. And then you see Robert Quinn out the door, very logical move, but definitely hurts you in the short term as far as playing defense this season. Roquan Smith, I still think that is going to end up being a really regrettable error, but I grasp the logic of saying we're not going to be able to sign this guy long-term. Let's get the draft pick. You're stripping away a defense that you've already stripped down pretty good, and I don't know really what you can expect from them. I don't think it is surprising that they give up 35 to 49 points to any decent offense. But on the other hand, Pat, Matt Eberflus, three decades as a, as a defensive guru, as a defensive specialist. That Now, he is a CEO-style head coach, but a big part of why he got this job was because he is such a good defensive coach. He's got to figure this out. There is some expectation here. You can't just say, uh, well, well, this is who we've got. We're going to give up 50 every week. He has to make this a respectable defense over the course of the rest of the season and that, that becomes a tricky thing to evaluate. Like, I mean, do you feel like this was – how do you grade this one? They give up 35 <laughs> points, but they come through with some stops at the end. They give them a chance. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think – how do you feel about the defense? I feel like it was better than last week against Dallas. I, I don't know. Here's how I grade this one. You know, at the end of the third quarter, they're giving up 9.07 yards per play. That is the most yards per play, if the game would have ended right there, that they had allowed in the history of the franchise. It's like almost a first down every time you snap it. It is. And, you know, I was a little surprised. You know, the record was like 8.6. And it was last year. It was on Halloween against the 49ers. And a game that I don't really remember particularly uh, accurately. It Um, was another uh, Justin Fields plays well in a loss. And there's hope for the future as long as we clean house. Right. Well, and and I guess we could, I, I guess we could put it this way. You know, the Bears offense gave up a lot of touchdowns to the Cowboys in the first half last week with Roquan Smith. So maybe doing this without Roquan uh, isn't isn't earth shattering. But it's you know, we talk about trying to give Justin Fields a chance and you give Justin Fields a chance by adding Chase Claypool, by fine tuning the the offensive scheme to fit him. But you also I mean, you've got to <laughs> you, you've got to play a respectable defense so that the game situations he's put in aren't ridiculous. And yeah. And that's what, that's what he has to figure out. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of player development involved in this. And he talks about standards all the time. You know, if Matt Eberflus was an offensive coach and you just threw him a bunch of cast off wide receivers and tight ends and linemen and whatever, you'd say, okay, figure it out. Like make these guys into something. <laughs> that's what your specialty is. That's what your expertise is. 
So it really applies the same way here defensively. Make Jack Sanborn into a solid, respectable NFL linebacker. Make make the defensive line into something. This doesn't have to be a top 10 defense, but I think when you hire somebody who is a longtime defensive expert, that the defense, no matter who's out there, has to be respectable. Matt Nagy last year had three different starting quarterbacks, had you know, the most respectable or the most respected wide receiver on his roster, Allen Robinson, was, was banged up and just not very good. Darnell Mooney was starting to come into his own. Marquise Goodwin was okay, but really he didn't have a lot of weapons. And you bet we held him accountable when the Absolutely. offense wasn't very good. Matt Nagy uh, couldn't be sitting here saying right now, oh, it didn't work out in Chicago because of uh, the, the personnel I was given. While there were flaws in the personnel, like your job is to figure it out. And that's Matt Eberflus's job this season. And there aren't right. wins and losses and job security on the line, but we we are evaluating Matt Eberflus in his first season, and we want to see that he's capable of turning nothing into something. Yeah, and, you know, the Dolphins, you know, we will give the Dolphins, or I will at least, a little bit of credit. I mean, they led the NFL in passing yards coming into the game. They designed a pretty smart scheme, I thought, today, uh, running a lot of rub routes, a lot of pick plays, a lot of short stuff that just got the ball out and into the hands of two really good wide receivers in, in, in uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And those guys are both faster <laughs> than anybody on the Bears defense. And, and we saw that pop up a couple of times. You know, I wrote about this for Sunday, but the number of weapons that the Dolphins have surrounded Tua with compared to the number of weapons the Bears have surrounded Justin Fields with is uh, is a vast difference. And, you know, they've, they've drafted, whether through the draft or free agency, they've given them a starting right tackle, starting left tackle, and two of the best five receivers in football. Um, Hill and Waddle had 12 catches for about 230, 240 yards, like about yeah. 20 yards per catch for those two guys. And I think there was one point during the game where they, they were lighting it up early and you were just shaking your head about it. And I was like, Pat, what, what would you do? What did you expect? <laughs> what, what could, uh, yeah, but also what could you do about this? Like you've yeah. got Jalen Johnson, who you know can cover people as well as anyone in the league, but even he is going to take some losses against Tyreek Hill because everyone does. And then what? You've got no one else. And Kendall Vildor goes out with, I think it was an ankle injury. Not yep. that he was doing great anyway. I mean, the play he went out on was one where he was committing pass interference in the end zone. And mm -hmm. a lot of times those kinds of penalties are because you're not able to guard someone cleanly because you're overmatched. And so now you've got, uh, was it Jalen Jones in there? I think on the outside. Right. Yep, it was. That's what are you going to do? Like, if you don't like Jalen Jones as an option, tell me who else you could throw out there because <laughs> there isn't a long list of of good cornerbacks on this team. There's Jalen Johnson, who's really good in my opinion, and there's Kyler Gordon, who is starting to play better and figure it out, but still, this is probably still above his uh, capabilities. And then a lot of guys that would be on practice squads anywhere else. Yeah, no, it is. And one of the things Jalen Johnson said when talking about the Dolphins was that he wasn't too worried about it going forward now because they weren't going to play another team like the Dolphins the rest of the season. I would introduce you to the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles in December. But point made, uh, you know, I'm guessing it won't look as ridiculous when they play the Lions next week. Uh, I think they need a pass rush, Jason. <laughs> and I'm not sure they've had a pass rush all season. I think it's worth remembering that when they traded Roquan Smith, he led the team in sacks which is not something you expect a weak side linebacker to do. You mentioned the Lions, and that is where the schedule shifts now is to a couple more manageable opponents. I don't know what the Falcons did today, but the Falcons, regardless, uh, they, are a middling team. The, uh, the, they played the Chargers, 
And my understanding is the Dolph or the Falcons and the Chargers tried to see who could charger it up or falcon it up the most because both of them have a history of that. And I believe the Chargers uh, uh, won by a field goal, but only because both teams tried to give the game away uh, the whole fourth quarter. That's my understanding. Right. Moving on. If you're if what someone else told someone else told you is true about that game, then both of the next two opponent, opponents currently sit under 500. You've got yep. the Lions coming in, uh, worst team in the league next week. Uh, worst team in the league perennially. No. Pretty much. Texans, Texans, Texans. But they're, yes. they're right there. They're, I mean, mm-hmm. splitting hairs about who's at the actual bottom. Then uh, uh, at the Falcons, which the Falcons coming into today were 500, but had a negative point differential. I mean, just an okay team at the very best. I think that you want to see the Bears as much as I know that once you've lost control of the season in your three and six, losses help you as far as draft positioning. I think you want to see the bears beat those teams. I think you want to see teams that them against teams that are in their weight class, they should be able to handle those teams. Their defense should play well in those games and you should get those wins. I think that that is a reasonable expectation, even in a rebuild and really pet. Like if they beat a couple of those lions and Falcons type teams, like it's not going to kill their draft pick. They're going to still pick in the top 10 either way. I was going to say the Lions are going to draft ahead of them one way or the other. Probably you're not catching the Lions at the bottom or the. Texans. It'd be, it, it would be interesting to see them get to five and six, uh, if you know, and if Justin Fields continues to play well. Now all of a sudden you're looking at maybe a six week run in which the offense has been above average, um, and you know if they could you know get to five and six by doing that, uh, I, I think it could at least be interesting. And, uh, and playing an interesting game around Thanksgiving is not something I would have thought the Bears were capable of uh, at the start of the season or even maybe two or three weeks ago. Their games are interesting. This is another element of this that feels so much different. And it was kind of troublesome that it didn't feel this way in the first four weeks. But the way they feel right now, the Chargers were in this position a few years ago with Justin Herbert. They feel like this upstart team that is fun to watch and you want to see them take their shot. Mm-hmm. Even against good teams, you want to see them take their shot. And Pat, they will be overmatched all the time. And if they catch some breaks, like Eddie Jackson gets an interception or you block a punt, something happens like that, a couple things happen like that, then they're going to have a shot. Right. If they don't really catch any breaks, then they're going to lose 49-29. Or if, they get they a, a, or if they get a punt blocked and return for a touchdown, for example. Exactly. But right. they're a fun, exciting team that has something that they can do well, especially on offense. Um, yeah, and you d- want to see that you want to you and you will enjoy if it keeps going like this. You will enjoy seeing them take their shot. You will enjoy seeing them throw punches and see where it gets them. And like I said, sometimes that'll go well. Sometimes you might catch a couple of breaks. You might catch a quarterback on a bad day. You might uh, get a, a interception at just the right time. And you're going to have a chance to win that game. And other times, you know, you'll score 29 and lose by 20 still. It, it's just so perfectly Bears. And that I think today was the day to welcome the Bears into the uh, modern era of offensive football. And they got there by having a quarterback run the ball. <laughs> they picked literally the most old school way uh, to 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 be interesting, exciting, and dangerous on offense for the first time since Mark Trestman uh, coached his first season here. Uh, I find that I've, that's must see football the rest of the season, 
But like you said, this thing's going to be probably 42, 35, one way or the other going forward. And, you know, I don't know that that's sustainable on either side, uh, but it is a lot more fun than watching 12, seven against the commanders. When you were talking about Justin Fields running just now, I was imagining what it must be like to be a safety on defense when that's happening. Because those some of those guys that are right in the middle of it, right in the in the pocket, the pass rushers, the linemen, it, it all happens really fast. Maybe you don't, maybe you can't reach them from where you're at. These safeties in these cornerbacks, Pat, they see him coming and they've got to try to figure out an angle. And how many times when he gets past the line of scrimmage and gets into the next level of the defense, how many times you see one of these safeties or corners or just totally misread it, misplay it from an angle standpoint? or totally misjudge how fast he's going. <laughs> and you, in, by the time he gets to you, you have no shot. You just flail an arm at him as he goes by. Yeah, they look like they're, try, they look like they're on roller skates and that they just can't, they can't, keep, they can't cut the right angle. They can't, they can't sense how fast he is. And, you know, I talked to Ryan Fitzpatrick last week for a story. Um, and, you know, and he was saying, you know, when we did the, the game, the Bears commanders game for Amazon, and we were on the field at Soldier Field, I didn't realize how fast he was. You know, you heard Tyreek Hill, I think today say in the Dolphins locker room, I didn't realize how fast he was. Um, it must be scary to be a safety uh, and to be on the receiving end of it, because I think that speed in person is a little different than it is on film. He embarrasses and, you. And it does remind you of, it's not just being fast. It's the athleticism and the mm-hmm. perceptiveness, if that's mm-hmm. a word. But yeah, it remi- all, all of it, the combination of all of it, it's not just fast. It's not just running. It's very savvy running. And it does yeah. remind you, it does remind you of Michael Vick. That's the guy whose record he broke today, I think by five yards for the regular season record. His running ability, when he once he decides to go, reminds you a lot of Michael Vick. As Darnell Mooney said, uh, get his Madden coins up. This is, right. <laughs> yeah, Justin Fields, uh, you know, when you say Vic, I think one of the reasons Vic was so popular and so fun to watch was that he was kind of in that Madden era for a lot of us. And, you know, it was a cheat code. If you're Michael Vick in the video game, you've got something that nobody else can do. And uh, maybe maybe the next generation's got Justin Fields. Who knows? It's it's early. It's early, and I hesitate to uh, to wax too poetic, but my God, statistically, he just did something nobody's ever done before. Yeah. And it, again, this is not just somebody piling up statistics that are meaningless. Like it got them 32 points. It gave them a chance to tie or win the game in the fourth quarter. And there, and it also is a guy who has made what probably 20 starts or something like that in his career. Uh uh, 19, something like that. Yeah, Not a lot. Like there's, there still is more to go here. There still is more that he can ascend to. And it, it Matt Eberflus was saying today, like, this is an amazing, this was an amazing performance by the quarterback. And this is a big step forward for the franchise. And he right. says that, and you don't, you don't laugh at it because no. it, you see what he's saying. You see his point. It may not get there. I don't know, but you can definitely see that this is starting to go the right way. Yeah, and I can't stress enough, Matt Eberflus doesn't talk like that usually. Uh, he is not prone to hyperbole in these situations. So for him to come out and say it so plainly, uh, I think is more affirmation that Fields is going in the right direction. Jason, a month ago, I don't think either you or I knew whether Justin Fields would be the guy at the end of the season. And 
I think he's there or he's really close. And uh, boy, it's just, it's been really interesting to watch the last month or so. Yeah. And he's got to keep stringing these together and he's got to make this his baseline. Like I can't stress enough that while it is impressive where he's gotten to and you like what you see right now, there has to be more. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we will be there to chronicle all of it. Jason, look at me just seamlessly into the outro uh, working well. Uh, We will be there to chronicle all of it. Mark Potash will join us for our next episode. Uh, His game balls were once again lost uh, in transit. Uh, but I'm sure he'll tell us who he would have picked. Jason and I will be there too. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Check us out uh, at the Sun-Times website and in print. And as always, please like, rate, and review the podcast. For Jason Leisure, I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.